right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Sally here. I don't know if this classifies as an emergency podcast, but uh, unexpectedly, USGA and RNA report came out uh, today. This is Tuesday. What is it? February 2nd, something like that. A report that was a response to the 2020 distance report. Uh, we're going to talk through that with somebody that knows more about this distance stuff and has been talking about this for pretty much two decades. I'd say maybe even longer than that. Jeff Shackelford of jeffshackelford.com. He will break it down for us better than I can, I think. Uh, it's a very, very complicated issue. A lot of people are very not accepting to any kind of rollback or change or maybe don't fully understand it. Every time I have one of these discussions, I think I learn a little bit more about it. And uh, we thought of no one better to kind of help us break it down than Jeff. Uh, you can get more information on Jeff at jeffshackelford.com. He's also got a great new newsletter out. It's called The Quadrilateral. Uh, just basically news from the majors, talking about architecture, course setup, business of majors, television, travel, all kinds of stuff. You can find that information on his website, jeffshackelford.com. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at Pinehurst. For 125 years, they have been the home of American golf. There's still never a better time to be there. Uh, championship legacy, Donald Ross's masterpiece, Pinehurst number two. The uh, U.S. Open's first anchor site, five U.S. Opens scheduled to return over the next two decades there. USGA is actually moving to Pinehurst as well. Uh, there's also the redesigned masterpiece of Pinehurst number four by Gil Hance. Uh, and that's just two of the, they got nine golf courses there. That's two of the nine championship co courses that you can experience at Pinehurst. And then they've got the perfect little, you know, epilogue to your day. Uh, grab a few wedges, enjoy a loop at the cradle, 789 yard short course, uh, built as the most fun 10 acres in all of golf. And then off the course, an array of activities and you can have some craft beers at the Pinehurst Brewing Company uh, or there's also they've recently renovated the Manor Inn's hospitality suites uh, as well as the stylish North and South Bar. It takes a lot of days to get through everything you need to at Pinehurst. So it's never been better. Go to Pinehurst.com now to plan your visit. Without any further delay, here is Jeff Shackelford. All right, Jeff, you're going to help me break this down as best as we possibly can. One of the most complicated topics in golf. Uh, I'm done trying to, you know, I say I'm done trying to address it on Twitter. There's no way I'm actually <laughs> done, but it is impossible to do. They could make Twitter a thousand, ten thousand characters and you still couldn't do it. Explain to me like I'm five. What happened today? They came forward with a lot of ideas. Um, they've telegraphed a lot of different things over the years, but I feel like today... And I'm still wrapping my head around it because uh, I didn't get to see this uh, uh, until this morning. Some people obviously uh, got it ahead of time and had a little more time to digest. But my my take is that uh, they are really serious about uh, restoring certain skills in the game. And they have decided to go all in or at least throw out every idea possible, which is not really been their uh, approach in the past. And the, the simple issue is that they have recognized and, da and now documented with reports that they feel this is not a good direction for the game where we are now, both for for the professional game and for the everyday game that, that sort of reacts to the professional game often irrationally. 
Uh, but not always. There are golf courses that are, can tell you they're having issues based on on changes in the way people hit the ball or where they miss the ball. Um, they can point to uh, their driving range fence that's gone up uh, 100 feet since the course uh, opened and things like that. So it, it, it's, it's both sides of the game. And they are simply now digging in. And I, I believe they've decided what they want to do. But I think what's interesting about today's announcement uh, is that they have thrown out uh, everything on the table, which I did not see coming. Uh, down to it look, if you read closely, you could say, well, grooves are uh, a possibility to be looked at, driver head size, everything, and the other, uh, I would say, um, bit of caving <laughs> that took place today is that they are now very open to a local rule. And I wrote a book. Uh, 15, 16 years ago that had a chapter on local rule. And that was something they were just so appalled by, even though they've used local rules for things like uh, putters only on the sixth green at Riviera. And I mean, uh, the, the one ball rule is the most common uh, thing that people would refer to as, well, you've bifurcated before where uh, guys can't pull out uh, a certain ball on on certain par five tees, and, and you know, they, and they still have that at the PGA Championship. They've not been very consistent on the local rules. So this is fascinating today, in that they've just come right out, and that is, as you tweeted, essentially bifurcation, and it's something that they have been resistant to, and they still claim to be resistant to. But to put it in writing like this is um, is is a big change for these two organizations. And the report that came out last year, and I've been adamant about this too, is you can't make publish the report they put out last year and then do nothing. So I'm I'm not surprised to see something happening. I really truly believe that there was a change that came, when that report came out last year that things had to change after that. Um, what changed today? And, and and correct me if I'm wrong. The way I understand it, there are three rule proposals being made currently and six areas of interest. And those are two separate things. The rule proposals being much further along in the, you know, whatever, you know, maybe you can help me kind of dis to define what that means. But those three rule proposals are the availability of a model local rule restricting club length to 46 inches, um, which I think, you know, we, we can talk about, I think is an issue, but not the biggest issue, but no, no, no. For the golf ball, the use of optimized launch conditions within the overall distance standard. So basically testing of golf balls, uh, new submission and resubmissions using revised conditions for listing. Hope you can help me make sense of that. And then the last one being reduction on testing tolerance within pendulum test protocol from 18 to six microseconds. Uh, that's in the minutia. You can help me kind of understand what that means. Yeah, I think if you read the Distance Insights report, which most people didn't, and I don't blame them um, because it's it's not worth their time. But but for those of us who follow it, it is interesting. And if you, you read that report, it, you felt like they were going to do something about the ball aerodynamics in some way, whether that's uh, a change in size or, or dimples. Uh, that was very clear. They made the case in that. And then they made the case that the driver face is, is probably a little too spring-like for their taste. Um, they had tabled the discussion of club length. I think that just simply came back on the table because of Bryson. Um, I think it's also a great thing to throw out there because the deadline for comments on that is March 4th. Um, that's that's uh, It's February 2nd, Groundhog Day. So I, I, I don't... Um, I feel like that is a test case to see what 
they get in the way of uh, feedback. It will not impact this year's Masters, but I'm going to guess that the idea of the of the narrative going into the Masters being will Bryson go with a 48 inch driver really bothered some people, um, and it's a great way for them to see what they get in the way of pushback, and and then a year from now that'll be that'll be over with. Uh, and, and I just don't think that one impacts many people at all. Especially if they start addressing the other stuff, the 48 might be more well, fun so, to see how off the planet they go. <laughs> I know, I know. And I just let them do it. I've never understood things like that. Or, or if somebody wants to use a 64 degree uh, a wedge, you, you know, go for it. It's really hard to hit. Um, but I think it's for, for their purposes. It's a great way to test the waters, uh, see how much Bryson makes us think of it or, or other people or manufacturers, um, or if they kind of go quietly on that or is, and it may also just be a simple distraction play. I mean, look at the headlines. The first few I've seen just from the, 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 uh, other side of the pond where the RNA had, had, provided this uh, last night to some writers you see the headline is they're 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 targeting DeChambeau. Um, so it's a it's a great distraction play in that sense that then they go after the things that 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 they've de- they've, they've decided on uh, with with the driver face and the ball now what's fascinating as I said they put everything on the table in this uh, report today uh, that opens up the conversation to this local rule idea attacking uh, the overall reduction of the overall distance standard, which is a big deal, the, the limitations on, on different things, including driver head size, and, and again, production of spin from all clubs from all areas of the course, which sort of brings grooves into play uh, again. Now, again, I think a lot of those things are just being thrown out there to uh, make uh, the R and D departments uh, write papers and and waste time and 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 I think that's great to see. I know that's it's it's silly that it has to come to those kinds of things, but the manufacturers have shown um, a, just a kind of an unwillingness to 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 work with them on this and uh, to come up with with the solutions that are good for everybody. And we have this we're stuck on bifurcation and they don't like it for marketing reasons. So I think they're playing a little more hardball with this today. And then, so the spring-like effect seems to be, you know, a, a, an issue. And I'm, I'm wondering if you can kind of give us a timeline of, you know, when the spring-like effect was first entered as a debate in golf, and kind of what, how it has potentially been mismanaged. Which I would, I don't want to put words in your mouth. What I would believe to be your opinion on that, on that issue, and how that, uh, how you understand that to be potentially changing. I just think it's as simple as it's, it's been something they've been monitoring a while and they've had spats with the manufacturers. And that's why we know that phrase. I, I can't remember the exact year now. Uh, I think the difference is the manufacturers are just so good at what they do and they have figured out new ways uh, combined with players having launch monitors and adjustability to, again, just, just sort of work around um, whatever rules there are in place that are prob- that were probably sound at the time. And, uh, and then as we've seen too, the, 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 faces are so thin, they change. And, uh, so they take it right up to the line and then the player hits 500 balls and it, it, it's now over the line. And so it's not unreasonable to ask that that just get modified. And to me, that's, that's something that ultimately spring-like effect is, is, uh, is, is, is something that people at certain swing speeds enjoy a greater advantage from and that was a debate before and it's very hard to convey that to the everyday golfer 
for the governing bodies to say, hey, by the way, um, bad news, this stuff they're selling you really helps their guy. It might help you a little bit when you really, really hit one on the sweet spot, but their guys who hit a ton of balls, that face gets a little thinner and they're really good at what they do and they have great people around them fitting them and, and everything's fine-tuned. They're getting an exponential boost from this stuff and we have to we have to change that rule. They don't want to make that case because it then the manufacturers whine and moan because they've they they there's just this this uh, long time connection of marketing between the, the the tour pro and the everyday golfer that is um, they're addicted to and to me it's always been irrational but it works people believe that they'll get the same benefits from these things as as the pro and then the downside is um, the manufacturers really make clubs mostly for elite players. And the innovation on the game improvement side is kind of forgotten because of uh, fear of crossing the line and, and having non-conforming equipment. So today is interesting because uh, we may actually sort of put a wall between those two things. And, you know, maybe the USJ and RNA will be open to leaving the current specs in place, but then just tightening the specs for the pros. Now, of course, how you enforce all that uh, and, and go through the bags each week and ensure people aren't aren't uh, fudging the rules, uh, that's going to be a very complicated thing if they get to this point. I'll say, uh, of course, I mean, we, we know they're all testing all their drivers out there on the PGA Tour, right? It's a... <laughs> <laughs> they try, they try, they manage they to uh, they disappear since, from the tour yeah. trailer often right before they go in to go grab them, which is oh. um, a problem as well. So, all right, well, a million different ways we could go with this. Uh, what is a bifurcation world look like and today did today clear that up at all and is it any different than maybe how you pictured that world potentially looking? Oh no, today muddied it more because yeah. they... They put so many things on the table. But again, I don't think that's because they don't know what is right. I think they do know exactly what they want to do. Uh, but uh, they put all these things out there, I think, to to one in a in sort of a, a cat and mouse game to, to, to mess with the manufacturers. But I also think they are emboldened by some of the things they reported in their, their survey, which was a very extensive survey of golfers and people in the industry – and I think they feel like they have more people on their side to open the door to maybe explore some things that they wouldn't have thought about exploring a year ago, like bringing back the length of the driver or throwing out something about grooves. You know, I, I've mentioned it on many things. I'm always blown away how much when I go out to a, at a tournament venue after play or right before play and, and I read on social, people are going, oh, these greens are pin cushions. And, and I don't blame them for taking that position when you watch the broadcast and you go out there and go, this green's a brick. <laughs> How are these guys stopping the ball that well? I mean, I know they're good. I know they make clean contact and they hit it high, but you talk to players and you say, yeah, the grooves are amazing today. So I feel like they've been emboldened to, to, to go back and, and reevaluate some, evaluate some of these things. I don't see them changing the, the, the driver head size. That just seems tough to do, but they threw it out there today. And I think they feel that people enough people are watching the way the game is played, um, the professional game, and now understand how much the everyday game kind of takes its cues from that, too much so. It's not healthy, and it's not making the professional game healthier or better to watch. It's, it's, it's pretty tedious at times because of the way it's played. 
So they're trying to to kind of re-enter that debate and discussion about what's best for everybody. They'll just have to fight a lot of forces that, uh, I mean, I just read uh, Golf Digest. There's, it just sounds like, you know, it's it's they're going to take, they're coming for your guns kind of language. And it's just sort of, it's sort of embarrassing uh, at this point that people take those kinds of stances when you know that their intentions, they're not bad. It's just that, that it, those scare tactics work. So they're going to have to deal with that. Well, I'm going to weave in some questions here as we go. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I got a list of like six or seven common arguments I hear the most. And I just want to hear your answers to, to all those here. But the first question I have from Jackson Fuller, how will this impact or will it impact the amateur high handicap golfer? Well, to our earlier discussion, I just think that unless they somehow change the driver head size, um, change the size of the ball, although I believe a, a slightly larger ball like the Callaway uh, Magna, uh, which I've had some friends test, would actually help a lot of amateurs uh, and, and actually take take some good yardage off those long drives um, that might impact the average golfer it might help them. But I don't see any of the things they're discussing impacting a, a high handicap golfer, unless it's somebody who has a very high handicap, but has amazing club head speed. Uh, and that, that there, there are people out there like that, but I don't see even them really getting uh, their enjoyment of the game taken away based on, on the things that they're throwing out. I think the things they're, and that's that's you know Chris that's one of the things that's so tough to to deal with in this is that for me you know words like rollback and and these scare tactics they work and the the case that I don't understand they that they never make is that we're just these are really small things that will affect these amazing players at this high level just enough to maybe make them alter their strategies back to where we feel like the game was more interesting to play and more interesting to watch and healthier for the long-term good of the sport to be about uh, play golf played on a footprint of a reasonable size. They, they, don't, they won't make that, that nuanced case, and that's always been frustrating in this. A quick break here to check in with our friends at Whoop. That's whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P. You've heard us talk about this. You've seen us wear them. Uh, basically all of our videos uh, whoop if you don't know what it is fitness wearable you see a lot of uh, all basically all the PGA Tour players I think they have to wear it uh, for COVID reasons it's a fitness wearable it tracks your sleep it tracks your the daily strain that you're putting on your body it tracks how many times you're getting up during the night your heart rate overnight your heart rate variability all kinds of body stats that are great to have you can track so many different things and how it affects your sleep routines. If you use CBD, if you you know drink alcohol, if you wear a sleep mask, or you can do all kinds of things. And it'll show you trends of saying you sleep this much better when you take CBD or magnesium or you wear a sleep mask or any of those. If you're having any trouble sleeping or if you just want to hold yourself a little bit more accountable, Whoop is where it's at, W-H-O-O-P. Dot com. You can use promo code no laying up. That's all one word. Promo code no laying up on whoop.com. You can get 15% off your purchase. Uh, I have loved using this thing for the past six months or so. I've really changed some of my daily habits, and I would encourage you all to do the same again. Whoop.com, promo code no laying up for 15% off at checkout. Let's get back to Jeff Shackelford. I think for the high handicap golfer, it makes golf easier in a way for you, right? Because a lot of golf course design over the years has gone, you know, has trended towards the understanding and the challenge and the test of top level players. Even if top level players aren't playing your course, 
you know, there's a back back set of tees. There's tees added to so many golf courses. Um, and it, it is, it has a way of affecting either the dues you're paying, the greens fee you're paying, or, you know, where they're putting bunkers on your course. If they're thinking, you know, are the bunkers all out of place? Cause they're trying to challenge, you know, the low handicap player and all this. If, if, it, if we are bridging the gap, even if it's a little bit between from trending the opposite way of the gap between the top player and the high handicapper getting bigger and bigger and bigger. If we can at least put a stop to that, you know, the, the trend towards, you know, the, the little trickle down things that are going to contribute step by step to, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I think no, it, you are. Do, it you are. does have an effect, even if it's not something you're going to notice in year one. Yeah. And just, just little stuff like insurance costs for, for safety issues that weren't there before driving range fence, uh, expansions. Um, how many golf courses have you played where there are a bunch of range balls in the fairway and, and, uh, even though they've added a huge fence and the danger that, that comes from that, I mean, Riviera, the very first time I hit balls at Riviera on the range, which would have been 1987, it was a normal uh, 10 foot high chain link fence. They now have a 75 foot fence that they before the Genesis Invitational, also the LA Open, they now have to extend another 70 feet or so. Uh, no, the extension is probably about 50 feet in the weeks before the tournament for the tournament. Um, and you know, just things like that, where uh, or people complaining about they, they have to hit lim- limited range, uh, limited flight balls on the range, and just little stuff like that, too. That's just it's just silly. Uh, and and then it gets sillier as you see where the game has seen a real spike this year on, for unfortunate reasons because of the pandemic, but because people have more time. And it had nothing to do with the technological innovation. It had nothing to do with um, the greatest thing ever has just come out, and that made people rush to Dick Sporting Goods to to buy it and go play. They went to go play because they had more time, and we've been sold that that bill of goods for a long time that if you – this innovation is what's uh, key to growing the game and taking that away from people would be the end of the world. And then you add in how much more, since I've started doing this stuff, people appreciate fun uh, and the fun factor. And yeah, people still look at the, the, the course rating and the yardage and some of their, whatever you want to call it, buying decisions and where they choose to play. Uh, but more and more people are about uh, kind of the atmosphere, the vibe, the fun factor, is the course in good shape? Uh, do they treat you well? And do we go out and have a fun time there? Um, and that that has changed. And I think that's another thing that 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 the RNA and USGA should use to their advantage more. Um, you know, just just you you've been very kind to Rustic Canyon, the course Gil and I designed. And and, and when we opened that in two thousand three, uh, the, the the comment was always, "Oh, it's." It's it's a fun course, and it, but it was always like a condescending sort of. It's not championship level, but it is fun. And now, of course, the courses that were the championship courses, one of them's gone completely in the neighborhood. The other one is been reduced to an executive course, and it's awful still. And rustic goes along doing well, and nobody ever says that to him anymore. Like in that that little bit of kind of. Um, douchey way <laughs> that oh it's it's fun but it's yeah it's it's it won't host the U.S. Open but that used to be a, a prevailing notion and I feel like now that's less so it's still there because we still know there are golf courses who kind of take their cues but it's changing and they should they should capitalize on that and I kind of feel like they did with the way they've come out swinging on this. 
All right. Well, I'm going to throw a couple. I would I would consider bad arguments out there, and I I don't think I'm very good at answering them. Um, I'm hoping you can help me answer them better than I can. But uh, well, okay. Why don't they just grow the rough up? Yeah. Yeah, Web Web actually now is uh, is adding uh, today at Phoenix. He added planting. Uh, it's sort of branches and tree trees. Got one like I ha- I can't. I don't even want to repeat it. It's thirty yards off the tee and it's situated a certain way. Um, well, this is the problem. Rough is sort of a is 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 strictly uh, something that came into the game, cultivated intentional rough uh, to to offset distance. And you know, as we saw last week. I did not want to go into the Patrick Reed. Uh, this is really all about the ball going too far. But the rough at Torrey is ridiculous, and part of it's because they have the U.S. Open. Part of it's because they have amazing, uh, uh, an amazing superintendent. They have a new irrigation system, and they're able to harvest this crop of of stuff that seems to be an embedded. I've never seen so much turf uh, embed a ball, but anyway, um, and that is not fun to play. It's not interesting to watch. It's not. Uh, there's not great skill um, in in recovering from rough. It, ca- it it requires a lot of water fertilization. It's just not something that we want. You know, maybe for the U.S. Open, it's what is part of their identity. It's just look at at the old course, the things the RNA has to do with rough and gorse, or that they leave um, that do not improve the enjoyability factor of the course. So it, it's a cost thing. It's a skill thing, and it's a I mean, Augusta had more rough this year. It was ugly. It's like having a great painting, but it's it just covers it in sort of a, a dust or bad lighting. And it's like, why, why do why why? I mean, we get, get this stuff off. It's it's a barnacle on a on a whale kind of thing. And I think also it it people think it has the effect of punishing the bombers. No, the most. well, yeah, <laughs> we it, learned that this year, didn't we? That yeah. it's not working. It punishes the shorter hitters, especially yeah. when it's narrow, because. You can be long and in the rough and be able to generate enough speed with a nine iron or wedge out of there to stop a ball in the rough, whereas Jordan Spieth can't generate the same with a six or seven iron out of the rough. And right. It's taken me a long time to really understand the inverse effect of that, um, but I, I think I'm finally wrapping my head around that. And and that's where I'm at with, like, the way I've always phrased it is the scale of golf has just been thrown out. Like, it... it you know, it's just like watching Tory and watching these super long holes, like the 12th hole is just a dead straight long par four. And just watching guys just like try to hit this little narrow fairway, but hitting it really far. And when they miss in the rough, it's just kind of like, oh, I mean, it's not that big a deal with an open, you know, an opening in front of the green for them to just kind of chase something up there with whatever yardage they have left in because they hit it so damn far off the tee. And I don't, I don't know if I remember a time that was, you know, different than that, but I feel like there's something else there that is more interesting than than what is currently going on remember golf um when golf grew or or this sport that that started uh on lynx land and then and and expanded it's it started as sort of a a a random cross-country um totally natural experience and it was sort of you find your ball and you deal with this 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 circumstance in front of you and and the game exploded on that or, or at least grew off of that notion. And so uh, anytime you introduce man-made elements like cultivated rough, um, it just it just takes away from that spirit of fun and and surprise and exploration and it takes away shots from you that you'd like to be able to hit and it's all done because a certain group of people hit it so far. It's not done to uh, pick on, 
the average person or the shorter hitter, and and it, and it just kind of takes away the essence of what made the sport grow, uh, and and that just just had people kind of addicted to it from the get go with with much less enjoyable equipment to hit. Yeah. <laughs> Well, all right. Why can't we just move the bunkers? Yeah, it's expensive, um, and that's it's hard to do. And it's one of those things where, when tour pros, they love to throw that out, and and you go, okay, well, if we we, we provide you with the bill for it, um, you know, they they just absolutely scream and cry. Well, we shouldn't have to pay for it. We're doing you a favor coming to your course, and that kind of nonsense. It's um, it's just v- it's very hard to. I mean, we. At LA Country Club, where the U.S. Open is going to be, we've now moved a bunker a second time since 2000. Or well, we moved it in 2010. We've moved it again, and it's very hard to do. It just doesn't look right. It's a pain in the ass. It costs money. Um, and is that and that and why is that? Why do we have to do that? Is that so that um, we don't have to tell a company that we're tweaking rules that are already in place, by the way? And that's something the other. The manufacturer, excuse me, the governing bodies don't do very well. Say, hey, look, we have rules in place already. We may just tweak these a little because, frankly, we've we've been outsmarted, or or these people are very talented and they worked around it, and and you know that's their right. But we need to kind of refine the rules we have um, to protect courses and to to not have these kinds of silly jumps all the time. And some people get that, and then some people just believe it's anti-capitalism and and you should just be allowed to do whatever you want. But then when you say, okay, well, then why, don't we, why aren't you advocating for getting rid of all the rules entirely? Oh, no, 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 no. They're fine the way they are now. And that just doesn't, that just doesn't really make sense to me. It's not consistent. And there's been big rule changes in golf in the last 20 years. The square groove thing was not small. And I, don't, I wasn't you know, covering golf as a career at that point, but I don't remember it being much of a stink nearly. I mean, I know it's different, but like everyone just kind of got used to it and everyone had needed new clubs after that. Yeah. The difference is that now all the major, major manufacturers are publicly traded companies. And so their attitude is just different. They're, they're trying to, to uh, deliver shareholder value. And so they have a, a different mindset that is not always going to be, uh, what's in the best interest of the game, they have to be pretty aggressive about defending their position. And that's really the biggest change since previous uh, brouhaha's over the rules. You know, the, the, the RNA, you played a different ball over there versus here. Of course, the players adjusted very quickly. Uh, now they say they can't adjust. It would be a burden. It would be cruelty to the children, blah, blah, blah. Even though we have launch monitors and all these we have all these people are so good at fitting um, and so many ways to 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 get your equipment uh, suited to you better. And the idea that that the, these things would be a hardship on people when when golf pros go down to Mexico City and in 15, 20 minutes on the launch monitor, they and their caddy takes a, pulls out a piece of paper and, and, and writes down their 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 numbers and their clubs and they go out on the course and, and life is uh, just fine. And why can't you do that the other direction and make that adjustment uh, is, is a little bit of a, um, we asked Rory about it a couple of years ago and he said, yeah, it'd take me two weeks to figure out a new golf ball. Something like that. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Why can't we just move tees back? 
Same thing. Um, very, very hard to when you have a footprint of a course to to go backwards. You know, if it's a housing development, obviously you, you have a home in the way. Uh, um, you bring in other dimensions of of a golf course. You know, one of the things I think it's been interesting the last few years is how many more golf pros who have made those walks back to tees at Augusta or at Riviera or Wingfoot, some of these places where the architect had this, that lovely walk right off the green to the next tee, how much they've recognized that they they will look back on their career and, and realize they spent probably uh, two weeks of their life walking to back tees. And, and it just it's just a waste of time. It's a uh, waste of energy. It takes away from that beautiful walk in the park element that you like to see in a design. There's just, I don't, I, it's sort of a, an intangible, but it's just, it's just nice to walk off a green and not have to go a long way uh, to the next tee. There's something about that that's, that's just beautiful, uh, especially if you're walking. And it's one of those things that, that this, issue just 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 has kind of uh, blown a hole through in in terms of architecture and it uh, does not make the game better it you know it kind of dawned on me i don't know when within the last couple of years of just like how little sense it makes just to walk 50 yards back just to cover all of that land by air you know what i mean it's not it's not like you're not adding anything to a hole by going backwards you know just to hit it further you know if if T, let's just say if T number one, in a hypothetical, T1 is hit, you know, you're using club one on T1 and T1 is right next to the green, you know, and you're hitting it to whatever the destination A. And then you have the other option is club two with T2 and T2 is, you know, a big 460 driver uh, and, and, you know, and a and 65 yard back T box and you're hitting it to the same spot. It just makes no sense to do that. Like I, you, there's no great argument for the fact that you should do that. I get I get some of the argument of like, hey, people love to see the long ball. People love hitting it far, blah, blah, blah. It's part of the game. But like there's this race between equipment going further and further and further and then just like lengthening the course, right? I mean, in a perfect ideal scenario, like you, you want to be able to hit the ball far. Everyone wants to be able to hit it far. But with that, when, when that goes, when you're hitting it much further, that's going to be met with, distance increase right so why not just like regulate the distance it's relative yeah it's all everybody, relative. if everybody buys the same things and 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 I, there's they, i mean that's where the athleticism argument comes in that there's a view uh and 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 there's some truth to it that that some players do get more by the work they've done but to the distances relative topic i it, it is i always sensed it was such an important thing and and i've i've told this before on other shows, but uh, on state of the game and stuff. But we played before the uh, the Open Championship at St Andrews at this place called King Garrick, and it's it was a course brought back on an estate. It's about twenty minutes from St Andrews, and it was Jeff Ogilvy, Mike Clayton, Lawrence Donegan, John Huggin, and uh, Jay Townsend. So we played a uh, we played a large group. We played in an hour and a half, and you play Hickory's. They have a 1898 ball or a 1924 ball. And the thing that resonated, I believe, with I know with Jeff and Mike, because we still talk about it to this day. We talked about it on the last pod with Jeff. The thing that resonated most was, one, being able to see your ball curve and land, and then the speed with which you got to the ball, but also uh, the scale of everything kind of came back down. So we walked together off the tee, 
the uh, scatter uh, element was was reduced of of where people were off on um, on the whole, and just the whole thing, the scale of it was just more intimate, uh, and it was more fun, and it went fast. I mean, you know, six people playing in in uh, and we took our time and you know hit a couple extra shots around greens, but it there was just something about that that reduced footprint that was so much more pleasant as a as a walk and an experience and you it just it just made the whole thing even hit home more for us as to how dumb it is to to just to just keep spreading everything out if you enjoy that kind of uh experience when you play golf yep well it's just the athletes that are making it go further though it's not it's not the equipment why you know that's always people are just going to keep getting more and more athletic why is that why do we need to change the equipment yeah it's just that the athleticism suddenly changes when you put a different piece of equipment in their hand. Or... No one can piece that together. Not no one, but so many people can't like get that through why. their heads. Well, here's why, Chris. I get it. So, look, golf is a weird game. Strange people play it. It's a strange looking game. It's a uh, people wear you know pastels. It's a soft sport in a in a world that wants everything to be tough and gritty. And, and, and so there's a, there's kind of an insecurity there. And so the, the athlete narrative pushed by, uh, various entities is a smart marketing ploy, um, to make people feel like, well, if they're athletes, I'm an athlete cause I play golf too. And, and it feeds a, a certain, um, ego thing that I, I understand. But again, as you say, when you just take somebody uh, who's very talented and athletic and you put a slightly different club in their hand and suddenly they're not as athletic, uh, that, that people still dig in that it is this, um, this workout stuff that's driven the whole thing, it, it just looks ridiculous. Obviously, there are people who are uh, in better shape. They're more flexible. They're just, they are stronger, but they're also given clubs that they're uh, you know, allowed to do things with that accentuate the athleticism you know Hale Irwin was a two-time all-conference safety at Colorado <laughs> and 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 let me tell you I watched Hale Irwin a little bit in his prime and then quite a bit in those well he was he, he his prime was late in life and uh, I saw him a lot in person and I even saw him the, the, the last year at the uh, champions event here um, he's a thick Man, he hit it nowhere, by the way. But right. he had this beautiful little in, up, and over kind of cut that just just was just repeated, and it was it was uh, it was beautiful for the U.S. Open, and and uh, beautiful way to play to get it around, and and it worked. And by the way, yeah, there were other people who could hit a lot longer. But he he was a, he was an athlete. He was he was a legitimate crossover athlete. Um, and so this idea that, and I guarantee you, if he came into the game now, built the way he was, yes, he would not swing the way he did. He, he has tools now to, to shape a swing and that's great. That's just progress. Things happen, but it's just, it's gotten a little out of control and all these people want to do is bring it back just a little bit to restore a little sanity, keep the footprint where it is. You know, the thing also that you miss is you just miss the variety of players and people and personalities that the game has had. And with this shift, you're losing. And that's something that is hard, again, for them to make that case because it looks like you're picking on certain people who have outsmarted your rules. And so there are a lot of, as you can see, there's just so many elements to it that that uh, people get emotional over for for uh, for 
somewhat understandable reasons, but sometimes uh, irrational ones. Yeah, I mean, I have no doubt in my mind that TrackMan, increased flexibility, speed drills, speed routines, increased strength, all of these things contribute to the ball going a lot further. Players understanding how a ball goes further. The whole thing is like that process would look different. And I'm not necessarily suggesting, you know, we go back to persimmon-headed drivers, just for the record. But if you put a persimmon driver in Bryson's hands, there is, I would say, next to zero chance that he would be going through what he's currently going through to try to just murder the ball because I don't think that would be the most efficient way to get the ball in the hole. And I think that's exactly what people are trying to argue is like it's not the number of strokes to get it in the hole that we're trying to change. I get a lot of arguments of like, you know, Marion, the score was over par and it's a short course. And, you know, Aaron Hills was long and they shot under par and, you know, so-and-so, it doesn't matter, just grow the rough up and, and all these things that just like prevent good scoring – that's not what I don't think anyone is really arguing. It's more so the diverse challenges that are in the game. It, the, the game has gotten out of balance in terms of what skills are required to succeed at the highest level. And we don't see that diversity of skills on display nearly enough. Certain golf courses still bring that out, but it's unrealistic to think that like a tour of professional golf courses is going to exist that challenge players like Royal Melbourne does. Is that a fair way of putting things? It is, and it's why you, you know it's such a mystery that the PGA Tour isn't more interested in trying to be a part of this discussion, thinking of their product, looking at other sports like tennis. Um, well, really, any sport that has go gone all in on power has ultimately uh, regretted it and started to kind of uh, dial back either for infrastructure reasons or boredom reasons. And so... This is an opportunity for them, and they're going the other way. They want, you know, they have a lot of people, I think, who just believe that it's it's that to get more women watching or to get younger people watching, if if they're just jocks, that's going to do it, and and uh, that's going to excite people. And yeah, that might bring in some people, but it's also just sending so many people away from from wanting to watch and. And this is a really tough one that the governing bodies can't make. But this game, the, the version of the sport we're, we're getting at now, it breeds a certain kind of personality and player. And it's one that a lot of people are not attracted to. Uh, and I think the thing that made golf uh, has made it grow at times is that we are attracted to different players who get it in the hole somehow in different ways, with sometimes with funky swings, sometimes with beautiful perfect, beautiful, uh, eloquent, um, graceful swings, or sometimes they're angry uh, kind of dicks, and, and, and sometimes they're these wonderful gentlemen sportsmen or sports ladies, and they just are, are people you would love to have over for dinner. Yeah, we love that variety and, and the diversity, and that somebody like Calvin Pete can play um, <laughs> at the same time as Fred Couples or Corey Pavin are always examples, and I think they're damn good examples because um, it was it's just something so fun to see that kind of diversity of ways to get the ball in the hole and it helps make up for the fact that the sport is not ever going to be as thrilling as other sports and and that's it by the way that's another thing you lose too is when the distance overwhelms the courses you do lose the thrill that we used to know of a ball just trickling and getting on the green and two, you know, we have it now with short par fours, but even that's starting to go. So, so those things that those little intangibles that are 
are vital to the product for the to put it in the PGA Tours language uh, should be something they're worried about. I don't sense they're at all worried about it, and I think it's the opposite. They're they're threatened by this, and Mike Wan too at the LPGA didn't like this, and um, and yet you hear people who are more attracted to LPGA golf because it's more relatable than the tour, and the people are more relatable, and that's just a very complicated subject to broach with these people with these organizations that we're, we're breeding a very uh often and kind of a i'm not gonna say unlikable but it's unwatchable kind of person i mean bryson's entertaining because he's he's kind of nuts but a lot of people are not uh they're not as enthralled as we are uh by the antics they're just kind of turned off uh, the way people were turned off by pete sampras just throwing out ace after ace in tennis and and that's where I'm just, you know, I scratch my head that that they don't jump on this as a, a chance to to tweak things. And, and my, you know, my case, along with a lot of other people, say, you know, steroid era in baseball, you made home runs less special. So right. a 320 right. yard drive isn't special anymore. So I don't, I don't tune in to see that because I don't, I'm not in, you know, I'm impressed by some of the things Bryson's done because he's able to hit it 30 yards past some of the longest players in the game at times. That, you know, everyone kind of homogenized into hitting it. Not everyone, of course, I mean, but like this, the top players are homogenized and you can often throw a blanket over their balls out there in the fairway. It, it doesn't really impress me that much anymore. And I, I go back, I've done a couple podcasts in the last couple of years that have just made me have to go back to watch old Masters highlights. And the, the one that, thing that sticks with me is in the final round of the 96 Masters, Faldo versus Norman. Faldo... It, it, is in the 13th fairway, I think for three and a half minutes, we can talk about the slow play issue separately, but I think three and a half minutes trying to decide between a two iron and a four wood or something along those lines to hit that approach into 13, trying to figure out the wind, all that, and that is gone from the game. And that is a huge entertaining factor of like, can he go for it? Should he go for it? Is there a club for this shot? Is is you know th- th- this this was one of the greatest golf holes in the world that now is no longer played that way. I think that is like how that wasn't you know alarm bells not going off that that being a huge issue. Watching Rory, Rory, I mean it's, this is a new thing. Rory's been bombing over that corner. JT's been bombing over that corner, having one seventy seven in on that hole for you know for several years now and. I just go back and watch that. It was just like, whoa, it is. It has changed a lot in 25 years. Yeah, decision-making is interesting. Yes. Uh, and it's um, it, so as much as we want to speed up the game, those moments when it slows down are even more fascinating. I did it. By the way, Faldo claims that that was not an issue between clubs. I'm not sure I totally buy him. He, he claims it was the way the ball sat on the ground. Um and I mean, I, he, I, it may be, but I, I'm sorry. The way he, the way he kept going back and forth, I, I think that's, uh, I think it. I did a whole thing with him on, and, and it's buried somewhere in the Golf Channel archives. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. But because of our wonderful world of rights and things, uh, we just sat there. We we took him on the set of Morning Drive. This was for a feature, and and just had him watch it. And just react and listen to Ken Venturi. And he just started talking back at Ken Venturi and talking about, and then, oh, okay, now this is where Fanny was really good as a caddy. But he, he would not fully, he, he really insisted it was the way the club sat on the ground. But I think he was buying time to just think, he claims he was always going to go for the green. I still, I still think he was trying to buy time to go, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to do this? But that, and that's still, so it's still the same. 
beautiful dilemma that he faced in that shot. Um, and of course, it was just incredible drama. And then, and, and and you know, to use Augusta to your to this this to the point of this discussion, the the thing at Augusta that 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 people react to is what the ball does on the ground there. Uh, we don't really see that many tee shots at Augusta that are that are interesting. Thirteen tees important. 18's important. Uh, I guess 17 is now, but not for good reasons because it's just kind of goofy narrow. But uh, the excitement, the roars are caused by what the ball does when it lands and hits the ground, and then what the players do in controlling the ball under pressure from crazy side hill stances and things like that. And I think that's why I get frustrated too because I, I think the golf fan and the golf watcher or even the novice watcher is smarter than a lot of these organizations in the game give them credit for being and uh and that's where if they were just a little more courageous in making the point or had the 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 cooperation of the players and the governing bodies um i think they could they could make this case better that said jack nicholas tiger woods been on the record about this bobby jones great players throughout the history of the game have tried to make this case even though it's very hard for them to do as because it looks selfish and people just slaughter them. It's really amazing yeah. to me. Well, okay. One of the other kind of silly things I see on, on, on my list here is, you know, hey, so-and-so just wants the ball to go back to how it was in their heyday. Every era hits it further, blah, blah, blah. I think there's something to that. You know, I, it kind of makes me think about that. That at least makes me critically think. But what what's your reaction when somebody says that? Well, there's some truth to it that people saw a game a certain way and see something lost, I, I think it'd be silly to deny that that's part of it. But the idea that uh, Phil Blackmore, uh, who writes about these things, uh, wants to see players punished because they'll they'll hit a banana slice now, or or that Jack Nicklaus is wants to take away your distance, and uh, or that Tiger Woods is advocating this because he can't hit it a long way anymore. Um, it, and by the way, I, at Sherwood last October, he was with Matthew Wolf, a good, a good part of the rounds that I watched, but anyway, uh, he can get it out there if he needs to still. Um, I don't know about now after the latest procedures, but he, the idea that these guys are, are, or, uh, old players are, are bringing this up because they want, um, cause there's almost an envy, uh, is I've just never sensed that from anybody. It's always just like, oh, this is, it's hard to watch. It's stupid. It's less interesting. And 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 I I mean, look at look at the, how many how many players on the PGA Tour do you feel like um, would go go play golf for fun? I mean, I I feel like it's a list of about that we know of anyway, you know, of Zach Blair and Kevin Kisner. And there are people who still, Phil Mickelson still goes and plays for fun. Uh, but I don't know how many of these people um, really like uh, the game that they play. I, I don't know. And I don't know how you gauge that. Hmm. Jim Furyk still plays a lot for fun. I will say uh, yeah. he, he, uh, he's ironically, he's using a 47 inch driver right now. And uh, that's going to get taken away from him, which brings me to my next question. Hey, aren't the shortest hitters just going to be punished the most by this? Well, it it, it's, uh, it comes down to execution. Yeah, if they execute this in a way that is too severe, yes, that could happen. I just think, though, if you look at the things that they have sort of hinted at with the, the driver face and the aerodynamics of the ball, that if that's 
executed properly, it's it's going to just take away this extreme launch condition and the extremes uh, of distance and not really impact those those players. And in fact, in theory, again, in theory, maybe restore some of the skills that they, they have and, and return some advantage to them. It, it's all in the execution. Uh, but don't, uh, I mean, there's no question these, these organizations are very cognizant of that fact. They do, they have to be aware that that would, the whole thing would backfire. They have to know that this is strictly about this group of about 500 people. And, and in that group, there's a subgroup that can do things and that have outsmarted their rules and, and good for them, uh, for being creative. But that's when you just go and you tighten the screws a little bit and they've thrown these people a lot of bones and it's time for them to to kind of uh, just walk back a few things. And I, I just don't, again, I don't know why they won't ultimately make that case, but so far they never have, that this is more about just, 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 just tightening up a few things that, that uh, I guess it would, I guess the issue is it would, it would, it would require admitting uh, we got outsmarted and that is a tough thing to do. <laughs> well, I think it's also, if you're, all right, so shorter, let's just even say average length players on tour have to navigate, for the most part, I would say, have to navigate more hazards, more things in their way than the longest hitters do. Because they longest hitters are able to hit it past so many obstacles. That if you are rolling things back, and at least the longer players have to now navigate and think about and work their way around, or you know, uh, judge the risk-reward in trying to hit over a bunker or over, over water or all these things... You're at least playing the same ish game. Like so and so still, you know, longer player might have an eight iron in versus the shorter hitter might have a six or five iron in. That might be the case, but you've re- at least reintroduced that challenge to those players. I remember th- walking with Kisner at, at Aronimic. You're like, hey, what do you think of this course setup for you? And I, I was like, eh, it's not that long. It'll probably be great for him. He's like, oh, it's a nightmare for me. And I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, all the like the bunkers are all right where I'm going to hit it, but Dustin won't even have to think about a single one out here. I was just like, oh, man, that is the explanation of this discussion, you know, to begin with. And everyone will say like, OK, longest hit, longer hitter should have an advantage, blah, blah, blah. And I think that the point of that is that drivers shouldn't be the safest club in the bag to hit. Like you shouldn't just be able to bomb it over all the trouble and figure it out from there. And again, it's complicated to unpack all that. Well, but- yeah, we want the driver to actually matter more or matter in the right way, I guess would be the way to put it. Um, but it shouldn't be, as you say, the go-to uh, club in that sense. It just it's just a less interesting game, and and in a and and, and kind of in a weird way, it uh, it's just a huge change that we've always known. The great players at the top of the game in their eras generally have been long, but also sneaky, accurate with their driver, or able to to uh, use it to their advantage in a, in a, a way that was not just mere length. It was shaping the, the, the shot, taking advantage of certain holes that other people wouldn't have. And just all those little things have just been eroded at and chipped away at. Well, I'd like to get a few more of these listener questions. Um, hope they're listening. They sent in the questions on Twitter. Hope they're, hope they're going to tune into it. We may have covered some of these, and you may not know the answer to some of these, and that's, that's okay as well. But Daniel Malone asks, what's a realistic timeline for someone who's been watching golf to see changes and think, okay, this feels different now? Yeah, I, I don't know the answer. And that's I've actually asked the USGA on that because the, the if you read their paper on timing it's we're still a ways away from these things i guess the thing that's interesting with the local rule and the test run with this driver length thing is that it it might be a way 
that some things could get expedited a little bit. But for the most part, we're several years away from these rules taking effect because there will be another comment period after they, this comment period ends in November for, for the testing and for the equipment. Uh, and then they will reach their conclusion, hopefully quickly, because I think they've already reached it. <laughs> and then there will be another comment period. So I, I don't see anything until 2024 unless the highlighting of the local rule element today allows for something that starts to happen sooner, but you have to give the companies also time to um, retool things uh, for this and, and also reimagine how they're going to, although they should, they've had many years to imagine a scenario where they sell equipment for an elite player versus a high handicap golfer or an average golfer. Killian, uh, at Killian Odris, I hope I'm saying that right, asks, can this realistically happen as just a local rule or would it have to be standardized? Surely players can't be expected to change equipment week on week. Oh, yeah, week to week uh, would be would be tough. Although, again, as we see with Mexico City, if you know you go to Aaron Hills and you play today's ball, but you go to Harbortown and you play the local rule ball or whatever you want to call it, the, the model local rule i don't even really i'm not sure what that means but um yeah that would be cumbersome and goofy uh but again with launch monitors i don't think there's a whole lot of excuse on that front i i think that um i think that they've just decided to kind of throw it out there and see what happens i think the best solution for all is that there there are there there is equipment for elite players and if average golfers want to buy it, they can buy it. Um, but then there is stuff that is uh, made more for them. It's just somehow how, how do you break this addiction the manufacturers have of of marketing their things off of uh, tour players? It's a it's it's a it's a tricky one. And you would like to think they would have already figured that out by now, but they are there. It's an addiction for them. Well, and I, yeah, I think it also, the local rule wouldn't, I don't think it would be week to week to answer the question as well. I think it would, like P, if PJ Tour is implementing it, it's going to be at all events, right? Just like the one ball rule or, or something along those lines, I think the example you gave, right? So I think we may have covered some of this, but I, I, the way this was phrased was kind of jarring to me. It's from Sports Betting VA. Do you think Mike Davis appreciates how hard it is for the rest of us to play golf or hit the ball far. And by the rest of us, I mean everyone not ranked in, say, the top 200 in the world golf rankings. He seems to be going out of his way to make golf as hard as possible for the regular non-tour person. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't, uh, the only place that I can imagine where that comes from is um, just in, in sort of the crazy stuff that's written or, or that people read, you know, um, I mean, Golf Digest today, Mike Stachura wrote that, uh, you know, stuff about, um, it just, just language that was kind of sort of sad, sort of funny that, 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 that this, they could, you know, they're going to just take things away from you. And Mike Davis does not want to make the game harder for everybody, uh, and make everybody miserable. It's, it's just not, it's just not how he's wired. He's thinking of, of the bigger picture and the people in the USGA are thinking of the bigger picture and they've seen and they have data. They've, made, they've gone to a lot of trouble to back these things up and a lot of people won't read them. But the scare tactics do work with some people and, and why bifurcation will probably be the solution because if, you, if, you, if you're just that addicted to buying more uh, distance and there is a group out there that will will buy things uh, every time they come out. Um, they're going to give you that opportunity. But if you want to play elite events, you're going to have to 
play by a little different set of rules. And now how all that's enforced, again, is, is uh, interesting and, and, and confusing to me and why I think ultimately uh, the, the driver face and, and then a tournament-type ball will be the, the solutions because those are the two easiest things. I mean, the driver face would just be the club that's sold to everybody, and, and they're just going to have to make the case that that high handicap golfer, you're not getting the spring-like effect that Bryson's getting or that Dustin Johnson's getting. And I don't know why they can't say it. I guess it's just uh, it's going to be it's going to be at the, kind of at the core of the the battle over this is is will they eventually just sort of call the manufacturer's bluff and say, look, st- stop claiming these things are helping those people. Other things you're doing are helping them. The club's never been easier to hit, but they're not getting the, they're not at a speed that they're getting this advantage. Uh, and you're just going to have to say it to to. But even then, I don't know if people will buy it. Right. Nick Roden, 23, if you were to draw the line for where bifurcation should start, where do you draw it? State AMs and Opens, USGA Championships, Mini Tour? I, I, this is a fascinating question and one that I struggle to answer, and I think one of the best questions, you know, challenges to bifurcation there is. But uh, thankfully, it's not up to, to me or you to decide it. But where do you think that line should be? It is a tough one. I just think that they believe, and this is just pure speculation, that ultimately those Good players who play in the state amateur are, uh, and and they think like a pro, and they're going to want to play the things that the elite game plays. A lot of people get a lot of free equipment now, so I don't. So the economic argument for some is is ridiculous, uh, but for those who do pay for their equipment still and do compete in amateur events, it is a legitimate concern and question. And and then again, how you regulate it at those levels, my my. My hunch is they're just going to try and put it out there and and uh, they have some idea of which levels they would kind of cut it off at. Um, but I've never been able to find out the answer to that question. And it is it is the trickiest component of this, I think, in terms of the convincing that core golfer that 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 sees themselves and and as as a as a player. But I think you could also flip it and kind of play to their ego and go, well, if you're a player, if you're if you're serious about the game, you should be playing players' equipment. And and there's nothing wrong, by the way, with with not playing that stuff because it's a hard game. And um, but this is where we just get into you know protecting handicapping and one set of rules, and um, it's it's problematic. But every other sport has has rules for the. Uh, professional competition version of the sport versus the the recreational version. This one's from uh, at Bruce Cupcake. Why only now take action, not 10, 15 years ago when driver and ball manufacturers were pushing the boundaries with technology? How much of this is oversight slash incompetence on the USGA's part? Oh, they're definitely playing catch up. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look at the statement of principles from 2002. They drew the line there and then they've, they've just... Uh, They've passed uh, on a lot of opportunities since, and I know some of those people who were part of that regret that. I just don't think they anticipated how much that the manufacturers could outsmart them. You couldn't anticipate uh, launch monitors and the little things that happened. You know, I, I Bryson uses a four-inch tee, and he's done a lot of testing, as I understand it, between a two, three, and four-inch tee. And and gets huge advantages from from going to four inches. And I so I wrote uh, David Fay. I said, I, you know, how did how did where did four inches come from? And and he told me it was it was a fairly 
random selection, but it was it was that decision was made before launch monitors. So you need to go back and revisit that. That number was really picked probably to just kind of cut off the number of crazy weird things that people were sending them, but it wasn't it was a decision made before new things came in and they they um they were just slow to they are slow and now they're 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 getting less slow and but there's no question that they've let whole, all sorts of things get away from them and I think that's part of this process they need to admit that yep a few more here and we will let you uh let you go here I know again there's a lot of great questions that were sent in that I think we've kind of answered uh, a, a lot a lot of them along the way but uh, at till daddy what specific courses would you be most excited to see playable for pros again. Well, I would love to see Augusta National first, uh, no longer mowing their fairways towards the tee, getting the fairway really a tight cut. They're probably the worst fairways they play all year. Getting it back to the width, playing firmer and faster, letting that ball run, um, not walking back forever to a new 13th tee and, and the 11th hole is just a mess. Just to see that place get to be, if they would, they would make those accommodations. I don't know if they would, but they should. Uh, so that would be obviously one of them because we we go there every year. But it would just also be great to see driver hit at a whole lot of other places that in a way that could be where that long hitter is legitimately using it to just get that little extra edge around the bunker, not to try to drive it as close as possible to the green. So a Royal Melbourne or, or these places where they just hit almost no drivers um, would be fantastic to see played that way. Um, or the places that can't get as firm and fast as Royal Melbourne to actually be able to, to do some things. Um, gosh, it's just, uh, I mean, the part of the problem too, is you start thinking of places you'd love to see a tournament, but then they just don't work by, because of modern needs and infrastructure. And that sort of is a, uh, different animal there. <laughs> it is. And it kind of complicates the discussion as well. You know, I meant to, sorry, I meant to mention this with your, your, the last thing you mentioned about the, um, 2002 report. Did you notice in the 2020 distance report, which we just saw today, the very last page is, and I don't know why this is thrown in, and I'm hoping, I'm, I want a conspiracy theory hat, throw this out there. The last page is summary of the PGA Tour's position on equipment July 1, 2003. And it basically says the PGA Tour is committed to partner with the USGA to, you know, to do all these things. <laughs> why did they throw that in the end of the 2020 report? Is that a way of saying like, hey, Wait a second here. You guys said you'd support us on all this. Yeah. If you think you're going to challenge us on it, you said that you would in 2003. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's, that's awesome. all it is. Yeah, that's it is. <laughs> well, uh, they know that. I mean, Jay Monahan's been openly hostile to to change, and so they know they have a fight with them. And that's where where Jay's just different than than Tim Fincham. Tim uh, Fincham recognized, uh, and I wrote about this after the the Patrick Reed thing in my uh, my newsletter that that he recognized that uh, and and we mocked him for it and I mocked him for it and and some of it was ridiculous that the that the 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 money they were making and the and the the sport he was selling was built on a certain sportsmanship and and obeying the uh, and guiding uh, or at least believing in uh, the rules of golf and that has changed now at the tour that there's sort of a hostility to the rules and it's the players I think get emotional over bad course setups or, or they don't like where the locker room is. And so they kind of turn on the USGA and RNA and Jay has, you know, Fincham was kind of like Saddam Hussein in, in Iraq. He kept all these factions in, in line. And, and now that he's gone, Jay doesn't seem to be able to keep the factions, 
educated or in line with what kind of what the big picture idea is. And they, again, are, are their marketing message is distance. So they're, they're trying to remind them that uh, at one time your organization, and certainly under Dean Beeman, at one time your organization really believed that this kind of cooperation and synergy between the everyday game and the pro game and the rules was a positive for you. And it's uh, clearly a reminder that that uh, that wasn't that long ago you felt this way. Hmm. Oh, that's well said. All right, last one. Jeremy Ellis, will the equipment companies sue the USGA and PGA Tour if they implement the local rule? I don't think so. They have plenty of case studies of companies that took on the USGA and took huge publicity hits. Ping and, and Callaway were, were not viewed favorably for taking on the governing bodies. None of these companies will sell non-conforming equipment. You know, when they when they complain about some of these rules, you just say, well, why don't you sell game improvement, non-conforming equipment for those for a, for that market that you say will be uh, hurt by your or by new regulations? Why don't you just go and do it? You're a company. You're supposed to you're supposed to maximize uh, shareholder value. So why are you holding that back? And the reason they're holding it back is they know that, I assume they have data to back it up that, or they just look at those case studies that the majority of the golfing public will look um, down on them for challenging uh, the the kind of the, the rules of golf. And even in kind of this day and age we're in, uh, I, I think that view still persists. I think Titleist is well aware of that as well, and they'll be the ones that'll be most likely to uh, to do something and to possibly threaten lawsuits. But but in their case, they have. I've always really never understood why the governing bodies just say, "Okay, you you sue us because your brand, besides your your brand's built on a great product." Number one, uh, number two, you have the market share, the loyalty. So if we tweak this, you're almost more likely to have more loyalty because people trust you to adjust to this rule change and still sell the great product. And by the way, your brand is largely built on uh, catering to the person who views themselves and is at their core a traditionalist that loves the sport and loves the values and they're the dew sweepers, you know the ads. And so... A lot of people are always shocked at when I tell them how hostile uh, a Kushnet and Titleist is to these kinds of efforts by the governing bodies to preserve certain traditions in the way of skill, certain uh, values of the sport. And those those loyal uh, Titleist uh, lovers have been shocked to hear that is the case. So it's it's uh, it's going to be an interesting little battle there to see if uh they go okay fine you you sue us go ahead and see how that goes over with your customers hmm. get your popcorn ready there's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be interesting got we got some content to discuss over the next few years it sounds yeah like, so. and i know a lot of people find it uh painful but i think that it, it 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 more and more people since i started doing this i mean i was just a leper when i started throwing this stuff out there like <laughs> what are you doing and now more people watch the game and and they they do know they're missing something and they do see that the the the, the it's breeding a, a little less likable player or way the game's played and i think they have enough people that that are 
willing to kind of hear it out. And it's, I, I think it's a fascinating discussion, if nothing else, because it, it's a chance to, to really question what, what makes golf interesting. And, uh, and then you throw in what's happened in the last year, more people playing. And it's, it's definitely, I'm glad they finally, because I, I wasn't anticipating this until March. So I'm glad they're just saying, you know, enough is enough. It's time to go down. We know what we want to do. Let's, let's have this discussion. And um, it's just going to be very hard for them because there are a lot of publications that will still try to uh, paint the governing bodies as evil because they're trying to cater to a mentality even. I don't even know if the advertisers even say anything, but they just feel like they have to try to protect their, their interest. And uh, I think it's short-sighted uh, by all parties. I, I have to say I, I've our society in general needs to be way better about normalizing how okay it is to change your opinion on something. Uh, yeah. In 2014, when I, when we started no laying up, I was, I remember specifically Ricky Fowler. Maybe I don't remember it that well. Cause I might have the details wrong, but the way I remember it is I think it was a like 12th hole or something at Valhalla, Valhalla 2014 PGA. Uh, Ricky had 198 yards in out of the rough and he had a nine iron. And I remember being like, that is so cool. Like, look how far Ricky could hit a nine iron. This is amazing. This is so good for the game. I don't understand what anyone's talking about with anything. And it was like indicative of my like very surface level understanding of the game. And like the more time went by, the more I was like, oh man, I we have an issue here. Like I once you people are receptive to more information, it is okay to change your opinion on something. I've not been close to changing my opinion on the fact that it should roll back and change, but the con- I don't know if you listened to our podcast with Keith Mitchell. I thought he made a lot of great points as to why it hasn't changed. It wasn't necessarily like this is the best way forward. It was more like, okay, well, why change this a small amount when in five minutes on TrackMan I can fig- get a shaft that's going to help me launch at this, do this, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know what? That's a great point. Like that's I, I don't necessarily agree that we should not, not change anything, but hey, that's a great point as to why you wouldn't change from the current setup. Well, then you get into the, the general discussion of uh, do people watch uh, or play golf because they want to hit numbers and it's a it's a technical it's a pursuit of technical perfection or is it a is there a, an art to it that uh, is worth saving and and uh, maybe even restoring and given how what what built the sport and what grew the, the sport at the beginning uh, there are just a, I think more people who miss um, I love the technical pursuit and watching what people do to outsmart or to 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 try and get better. Um, but when it reaches a point where you feel like uh, it's not a fair fight and it's not very interesting to watch, then I think that's when you have to say, what if we found some place that, 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 that combines a little bit of both? And, you know, I'm a big baseball fan and it just it just pains me to see things that are lost in that sport. And then to see how people react when when occasionally somebody lays down a surprise bunt or somebody steals a base when you didn't expect it. And the and the and the beauty of the. Uh, the analytics just being thrown right out the window and the gut instinct and the artistry brought back and how much people who don't even, who never even saw those versions of the game uh, react just like when you go out to a golf tournament and you watch people react. They don't, they, they might react to a hard golf swing and laugh and but they can't see the ball once it gets to about two seventy. Uh, but they ooh and ah, and they get they get goosebumps when they see a player hit an amazing recovery shot or they control the ball or they, and of course, 
anybody. I mean, people still go to the spot where Bubba Watson hit a duck hook wedge <laughs> off the the pine straw. Uh, they they don't go to the tee to go. Wow, this is where he hit that wayward drive from. They go to the spot to go. Can you believe he did that? I mean, you you get goosebumps when you go down there. You're like, there's just no way that he could do yeah. that. And <laughs> that's the stuff that gives you the special feeling and, and, and trying to explain that, that, and again, I enjoy the other side. It's entertaining to a point, but is it really all the sports should be about and, and piling on data? And, and then, uh, and, you know, we have so many people now around these people who are profiting from those things. So they're just extra hostile. And, and that's another thing in this debate uh, that so many people just, uh, I make no money, by the way, <laughs> advocating this position. Golf architects do not make more money saying something needs to be done. They could make more money by saying, no, 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 no. We don't need these rules. We need to keep changing the courses. They go the other way. It's the people who are who are getting nasty about it and angry about it are the ones who, who have a business uh, interest, and they need to be forced to declare that more uh if nothing else just 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 to make people understand that's where they may be starting from with their their position well i'm going to end this with uh you know dj pie tweeted this earlier but uh you're kind of he called it the most succinct overview of the equipment issue in golf that he's seen in a long time and you wrote this it says technology threatens domination parity will persist as long as misses are just a little less penalized and the ball continues to fly razor straight reward for a variety of skills is headed out Long driving and putting will be the key. The major tours have not publicly supported rule changes that could conceivably help the super elite stand out to strengthen their product. Worse, the governing bodies seem more concerned with being on the on a first-name basis with top players than tweaking the rules. Since top players generally support what their manufacturer or partner want, we face a continued stalemate helping no one. It was just yeah, I thought that was a definitive definitive end on a uh, extremely complicated issue that we've only really scratched the surface of today. But uh, I know you got a, probably a lot lot to get to uh, today with this this coming out and and whatnot. But appreciate you spending well over an hour with us trying to unpack it. And I'm sure hopefully listeners learned a little bit and are open to changing their opinion if they weren't uh, you know or not. Yeah, that's that's your choice. No, I appreciate the time, Solly, and thank you for uh, for for your efforts on this front and for for giving the topic. Uh, I think the time it deserves because it's 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 not always the sexiest topic to to a lot of people. Yep, it's not <laughs> always the most exactly. That's a very good way of saying it. So, all right, thanks again, Jeff. Really appreciate the time. All right, thank you. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect.